Welcome to the Stay Healthy Salt Lake podcast, a podcast focused on providing resources, information, and education on how to stay healthy in and around Salt Lake. And now, here's your host, Josh Hall. Welcome to the Stay Healthy Salt Lake podcast. This is Josh, and with me today is Kent Maurer, personal trainer certified in three different organizations in plant-based nutrition and owner of Kent Maurer Personal Training Studio in Park City. Welcome, Kent. Thanks for coming on the podcast today. You bet, Joshua. Thank you for having me. Yeah, uh, I'm, I'm excited to have you. I'm excited to hear the message that you're going to bring today. So tell us a little bit about your journey and kind of how you got to this point. Tell the people about your background and just so they know a little bit more about you. Well, the journey is interesting. I mean, it's, it could be a long <laughs> story yeah. if you wanted it to, but the, it really it seems like the universe kept pushing me in the direction I'm in now. Mm. But all my life, I've been into exercise. You know, I wasn't the biggest or fastest or strongest athlete when I was growing up, but I, I was able to compete with the, the bigger, stronger, faster ones because I liked to exercise. So mm. I started weight training at a young age, getting in good condition, and, I, and it paid off. I got me a scholarship to college in football, played college football as a running back. And then I just kind of kind of grew from there, and I kind of turned my little passion and exercise into a career, like a lot of people do. You know, you say, you find what you love to do, and you'll never work a day in your life. And that's kind of what I did. So... Um, over the years, you know, I've I've worked with lots of different athletes, some some amazing athletes. Back in Aspen, Colorado, I was a fitness director, and I started their personal training program at, at the Aspen Club, which is this beautiful facility in Aspen. And the owners of the Aspen Club used to own um, Hilton Head Island, and the the wife of the owner was a professional tennis player. So she brought out all of her buddies, including Martina Navratilova and Chris Everett and John McEnroe, and lots of other type of athletes. And so that was really a good breeding ground, wow. and. While I was there, they had some amazing, you know, uh, physical therapists like yourself that were, in, you know, like all ski towns do, and mm-hmm. I learned from them. So basically, they would take a person with an injury, and then they would hand them off to me, and I would try to get them back in shape after they kind of fixed their knees or backs or whatever their problems were. So it was a great learning ground, and I eventually left there and opened my my first the first personal training studio in Aspen. I just felt like you know I want to do my own thing, mm-hmm. and I went and took this old yoga studio over and. Um, and rented this crazy amount of rent, which you can imagine in Aspen, Colorado. <laughs> oh, and, wow, yeah. And it was fun. I, mean, I was working like six, seven days a week just to pay the bills, <laughs> but I really enjoyed it. And um, so then I got married, married my, met my wife in Aspen, and we just started talking family, and that kind of took me on a journey to different places. I became, I, we ended up leaving the Aspen, and I became the uh, spa director at Canyon Ranch in Tucson, Arizona, which is you know, world-class spa. People come from all over the world, you know, the usual fat farms, as you might want to call them, but th- it was really another cool place to live, but... And work, but it was more of a you know more of a management position instead of a hands-on position. You know, so as a spa director, you're basically putting out fires, fires the from the of the guests, fires of the employees. You know, from all the different issues that people had. So that was a great learning ground. But it was like, okay, I'm not sure if I want to do this forever. <laughs> um, had a lot of crazy stories of people, you know, therapists coming running to me because of some weird thing that the guest was doing underneath <laughs> the sheets at their. I mean, some crazy stuff. Yeah. Then another guy who owned a spa in San Diego uh, called Calavi came to that spa looking for a new manager, and he basically doubled my salary. Said, "Come out to Calavi," which they only took 24 guests. So that one appealed to me because then I could do not only run the spa, but I, w- I would take people on hikes in the morning and I would teach classes and I'd do one-on-one training with them and I'd do talks with them in the evening. So it was mm-hmm. like a really wow. personal thing. Paid to go hiking. That's amazing. I was, it was <laughs> in the hills right around like uh, San Marcos, uh, Vista, California. It was just beautiful. So that's how I, I kind of got started. But then 
you know, being the entrepreneur that I thought I was, I said, you know, I'm going to do my own business again, like I did in Aspen. So I opened up a studio in Solana Beach, mm-hmm. which is kind of a suburb of San Diego, kind of like by Del Mar. And I had that studio for almost 20 years. And it was pretty cool. So I had the same clients almost for 20 years too. And then the way we got to Utah is that my oldest son graduated high school in, in, in Carmel Valley, graduated Torrey Pines, and decided he wanted to go to the University of Utah. And I said, well, this is an excuse to get back to the mountains. And that's what we did. We moved back, followed him to college. My other son went to school at Park City High School. And I just started fresh again and opened up my own little studio in Park City and kind of grown from there. So that's awesome. kind of how I, that's my little trek around. But when it comes to the food end of it, that's a whole different story. <laughs> okay, awesome. Yeah, we'll get into that. So tell me a little bit. You mentioned you played high school and college football. Like, What lessons do you feel like you learned on the football field that maybe translated to helping you with personal training? Anything in particular at all? Or well, just kind of spark your passion for exercise? Or tell me, tell me more about that. You know, um, I broke a leg skiing when I was in uh, fourth grade. And after I broke that leg... As anyone would do, it was a really bad spiral break in my my femur, and I, I did, just didn't have the speed or strength as I did before. Mm-hmm. After I before I broke it, so I was really frustrated. My ego really took a hard hit. So after that, you know, I just the next few years, I just I noticed I was getting a little heavier, and I wasn't as good as an athlete as I thought. So as weird as it sounds, I was reading a comic book, and at the end of the comic book was one of those ads like Charles Atlas. I don't know if you guys are you're too young to remember a guy named Charles Atlas, but Charles Atlas was this. Thick, you know, fiction person in the end of a, that, you know, got sand kicked in his face at the beach, you know, the skinny guy, and, and he went home, and he started exercising, came back to the beach, and all of a sudden, the girls liked him, and everybody liked him. So anyway, he had this little poster that you could order on the, in the comic book on uh, doing basic exercises. So I ordered that, and I started doing stuff, and um, my body really adapted to it. I mean, I, I got really strong really quick, and it became very addictive. So that was my first inclination into exercise, and then uh, because of that, I was able to take the strength that I gained and the kind of the durability I gained into lots of different sports. I, I wrestled and I did baseball and I was a skier, but the football really took off. And I, I was a running back and I had just, was just became one of those guys that was hard to bring down. You know, I, I wasn't the fastest or strongest, but I, I didn't give up. And uh, I think the, the fitness thing kind of taught me that. You know, the exercise thing kind of taught me how, you know, you, you, you got to work hard to get what you're going to get in life. And, uh, and it's kind of paid off. That's kind of, I've carried that through my life as well. You know, the harder you work, the better things get. There was a baseball pitcher, Nolan Ryan. Remember Nolan yeah, Ryan? Yeah, of course, Nolan Ryan. Yeah, he's, he's an ace. He was an ace. He was a pitcher for the Texans. And, and somebody asked him once, at 44 years old, he pitched a no-hitter. And I, this is one of my favorite quotes. And he, they go, uh, how, can you, how can you pitch that well at 44 years old? And he goes in his little slow little Texas drawl. He goes, well... You know, I guess I've been pretty lucky. But then he goes, you know, the harder I work, the luckier I get. So I've always kind of liked that motto. Mm. You know, hard work brings out good luck, good, good, good luck, good things. And also, I think good ethics does too. I think that's, oh, as, you, as you probably yeah. find out in your business, if you're absolutely. kind of a, not the nicest person, mm-hmm. you know, people are going to come back to you. Yeah. So people yeah. stay, stay with me. Like I said, in San Diego, I had clients for 20 years. I've been in Park City now for almost 13 years. And you know, once they start working out with you, they, they don't leave. So they, yeah. they like something, they like the results, they like your personality, they like that you're not trying to shake them down. And at the same time, you know, you, you become really close to them and you want to do everything you can to improve their lives. So that's, that's yeah. kind of how I've evolved. That's awesome. Yeah, people definitely like that authenticity and, you know, they can tell the difference. So tell me a little bit, what do you enjoy most about kind of owning your own personal training business and really just helping people 
pursue their health and nutrition goals? What, what do you enjoy most? Well, I definitely about? like being my own boss. I mean, I, <laughs> like I said, working at Canyon Ranch at Caladee, and you know, you know, I, I don't like to be bossed around, right. you know, and especially if you have a really firm belief in something. So that's number one. <laughs> so you're, you're being your own boss, you either sink, yeah. or, sink or swim with your own yeah. life. And I feel like you know, I, I trust myself more than I trust other people. So I definitely like my own business. Doing this for 35 years now, I've kind of learned to kind of cut my expenses. So I started training out of my home. I built a really nice studio in the in the corner of my own home, which is nice. So it's uh, people just come park in the driveway, and, and it's a nice, convenient part of town. So that's good. So that's that's always been a, a, a big plus. Is just you know being your own boss. But then when when you're own, your own boss, as you know, if you take a vacation or you, something happens, you're you're not making money. So mm-hmm. you, you have to kind of stay healthy. And uh, I have been healthy for a long time. Great. Tell me, tell me, what kind of clients do you see? Like, what do you see a lot of? What do you like to see, or what? What well, do you work with? Earlier in my career, when I was younger, I got a lot of athletes, a lot of you know, really you know, fit athletes, and they were fun. You know, as a matter of fact, I even went back. A client that used to come see me at Canyon Ranch, he used to own uh, the New Jersey Devil hockey team. Oh wow! And he also owned the Houston Astros baseball team. His name was John McMullen, and we hit it off. And so he started sending me. Clients uh, at Kenya Ranch, and then when I went to Calavie, he sent me clients, you know, different athletes to there. And then uh, he had me come out two years in a row for two weeks uh, during preseason to the New Jersey Devils and just wow. work with their strength and conditioning coach. So, oh, cool. so it sounds cool to work with those athletes, but they really are, uh, they kind of like, it's hard to tell them what to do, especially right. professional ones. Yeah. You know, so they, you know, you're working with these guys, but they think they know more than you do, and they're, they're pretty cocky mm-hmm. but we you know we hit it, hit it off of stuff but i i think i really just enjoy more the average person somebody who really sees the benefit to what you're doing for them and not just like you know you know you're just, yeah. you're just prima you're, donna yeah you're just not the next trainer for them you're right. you're working with somebody who sees the quality of their life improve and so now maybe it's because i've gotten older or whatever but i have a lot of older clients now 50 plus i have 80 year olds and those are the ones that really appreciate you know, making them feel better and getting them being able to more be more active in their lives. So, I mean, I have some great stories. I have people that gave up skiing 20 years ago and they're skiing again because they've gotten wow. the muscle and their balance back. Yeah. I have a lady who was an equestrian horse rider all of her life back in New York, and now she's horse riding again because she can. Yeah. So that's that's fun, you know. And then when it comes to nutrition, that's kind of how I got into the nutrition end of it because. When you're a trainer and somebody comes to you and they say, I just got diagnosed with cancer, or I just got diagnosed with, you know, my doctor says I got four clogged arteries or I got diabetes, you know, all the squats and lunges and curls and bench presses and, you know, squat thrusts in the world aren't going to fix that. As much as I used to think that, I used to think exercise could fix everything, but even in my own life, you you realize it can't. So that's how I've evolved into the more of the, you know, combination of the nutrition and the exercise and how important exercise is. And... You know, if you talk to bodybuilders, and I've never been a bodybuilder, but even back in the days of Arnold Schwarzenegger, they, they still, even though those guys lift a ton of weights and heavy weights, they still say it's about 80% nutrition, 20% exercise. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can do all the great lifting you want, and unless you get your diet wired, you're not going to get the look you want or the quality of you know, fitness you want. So that's kind of... Yeah, absolutely. I've experienced that myself, so that's a great point. Uh, so tell me kind of... What do you see the number one mistake that people make as far as with their personal training or fitness goals? Like what, what's something that you could tell people to avoid? Well, I personally think now, I mean, like I said, I've been doing this for 35 years and I've been doing it since I was like in junior high and now I'm in my early 60s. I'm going to be 64 next year. And what I've learned is that you don't need to do as much as you think you need to do. You don't need to kill yourself. 
And if, if you're familiar with the Blue Zones, if you've heard of the book, The Blue Zones, the Blue Zones, for those people who aren't familiar with it, is a, a pocket of people around the world who have been shown to live, not only live the longest, like into their hundreds, but also with the best quality of life. And these people in these Blue Zones, they, you know, they don't do CrossFit. You know, not that I have anything against CrossFit. That's basically my whole early career was CrossFit. They don't do the paleo diet or some, you know, pop a bunch of supplements. They just live, but they live in harmony with nature. They live in harmony with themselves, and they just, they do things not so much, they don't like the word moderation because, you know, moderate sm cigarette smoking, moderate cocaine use is not good either, <laughs> yeah. but they don't over, overdo. And so I've seen people that are so obsessed that they're, they're pushing themselves so hard that they're always getting injured. And now they got hip replacements and knee replacements and all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. So I don't think you have to kill yourself. I, I think you need to move your body regularly every day, work up a sweat every day. Sweat's important. Get your heart rate up into a threshold where you're, you're having to breathe a little harder and you're sweating a little bit more. Got to do some resistance training because your muscles, if you don't use them, they're going to atrophy and they're going to shrink away and their bones are going to you know, shrink away as well. So you got to do some resistance training, especially older people. And balance. Two things I've learned that people lose as they get older is strength and balance. And they kind of go hand in hand. You lose balance because you don't have the muscle to kind of hold yourself up anymore. So I, I do a lot of that with my clients. And then flexibility. I, you know, like, a, like a lot of guys, flexibility was never high on my list. You know, I was always mm -hmm. lift, 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 you know, kill, kill, kill. How, how much can I bench and how much can I squat? But as you get older, you start realizing, wait a minute, I need to, <laughs> I need to do some more stretching here because <laughs> right. I'm getting tight. Right. And so um, it's really a balance. And so cardiovascular, keep the heart strong, you know, be able to go out and hike with your friends, go ski with your friends and not be out of gas. Strength training to keep your muscles toned. Balance training so you're not going to slip and fall all the time and worry about breaking something. And then the nutrition of it so you don't feed bad things in your body. <laughs> no, that's all great information. I appreciate that. So tell me, Kent, do you take any supplements? How do you feel about supplements and why or why not? Well, it's been an education with supplements. And like all young guys back in the day, I thought I had to take a lot of supplements to, to get strong. And so, yeah, over the years, I've taken various types of protein powders and vitamins and minerals and kind of experimented with different ones. And one of the ones I experimented with uh, back about my mid-30s was creatine. And creatine was the big thing when we were living in San Diego with lots of different athletes were big on creatine back then. And I really don't hear about that much these days, but maybe I'm not following that scene as much as I used to. But uh, the San Diego Padres were big back in the day when I was there, and the, there was a number of players that were always touting creatine as their big thing to get stronger and be hitting all. It was back in the Sammy Sosa days and the Mark McGuire days oh, when yeah. everybody was hitting home runs. Yep. So was it the creatine or was it the steroids? <laughs> <laughs> right. But anyway, so creatine is something I experimented with until I kind of learned through trial and error on my own and kind of observing people who were doing a lot of creatine that it did make you stronger, but it also made you more susceptible to poles, you know, like mm -hmm. hamstring poles and tendon poles and kind of, uh, you're kind of like robbing from Peter to pay Paul to get these things. You're taking nutrients and especially water, different nutrients from one part of your body to put it into your bicep or into your legs or whatever you're trying to get bigger or stronger. And it worked, but it also made you more susceptible to other, other injuries. So I saw that with some of these professional athletes that were pulling hamstrings all the time and, you know, being out of their game for quite a long time. And the old school athletes, you know, when we were growing up, the old school, the Steve Garveys of the world, the old guys that never did any of these kind of supplements, they never, you know, they, they never got injured hardly. And they played through multiple games and they're called Iron Men because they never got hurt. And so sometimes I think you can, uh, the supplements can be a more of a detriment than, a, you know, a positive. I, I've, I've just learned on my own that the, it comes from 
mainly from hard work. Mm. You need to eat enough calories, mm-hmm. you know, depending on how active you are, how big you are, you need a lot of calories, and then you work hard. I, I don't think muscle comes from, you know, how much protein powders you, you put in your body. It does come if you do a lot of steroids, so they definitely <laughs> work, but that's not a path I ever wanted to follow. Mm-hmm. And even though my idol growing up was Arnold Schwarzenegger, I loved, loved Muscle Fitness Magazine, I'd read it every day, and I was basically learning different exercise techniques that they were doing back in the day. And just kind of learning all the different types of ways to, to, to train, but I never was tempted to do the steroid stuff. But as time went by, you know, of taking supplements and spending lots of money on protein powders and vitamins and creatines, I just started weaning myself off it, just realizing, you know what, I'm not using as much. I feel just as good. I'm just as strong. And as long as I get enough calories in me, I'm good. If I don't eat enough calories, then I'm weaker because I just needed more fuel. And along with that fuel, when you know, if you're eating quality calories, not junky calories, you're getting all the vitamins and protein and calcium and minerals you need. So, mm-hmm. proteins were early on, but nothing now. The only things I take now, the same things I take, I recommend for all my clients, and that's real simple stuff. And one of them is B12. Mm. And B12 is just a basically people think that B12 is a vitamin, but really it's just a bacteria. And B12 is a bacteria that populates planet Earth. I mean, it's in all the soil, it's in all the rivers and streams, it's in all the oceans. So um, back in the day when we were eating our food, we'd eat eat food directly from the earth and we'd get B12 no problem because we'd eat a little bit of dirt with that carrot or whatever we were eating. Or if we drink out of the string, we get plenty of B12. Or if we live by the oceans and you're eating seaweeds and things like that, plenty of B12 and that because it was been soaking in B12. Mm. But today we don't live in that world anymore. We live in a world where everything's cleaned. Everything is really chlorinated and clean. So B12, which is a very, like a lot of bacteria are very heat sensitive. So as soon as you heat it through radiation or from cooking, a lot of high heat, it'll kill it off. It'll, it'll de- denature it. So whether you um, eat animals or you don't eat animals, everybody needs to take a B12. B12 is just a really important nutrient that I think a lot of people are deficient in because they think they're getting it in food. And really, because of the world we're living in now, this cleanly, sterile world we're living in now, we're not. But fortunately, we don't have cholera anymore from dirty water. And we don't have you know, as much outbreak of salmonella and E. coli and listeria as we usually do, as we used to do, because we were killing the bacteria off the food better. But still, it's a problem. And but so B12 is something I, I recommend for everybody. And then the other one, especially for communities like Salt Lake, where you don't see as much sun, especially in the winters, a D3. And D3 seems to be the most absorbable uh, vitamin D3. And again, D3 is not a vitamin either. It's a hormone. It's a hormone that your body makes in coordination with cholesterol in your body and the sun. When the sun shines to your skin and is absorbed in conjunction with the cholesterol that your body makes, our body makes its own cholesterol. All the cholesterol we need is made through our liver. That's how vitamin D is formed. But if you're not getting the sun and it's not working in unison, most people are kind of afraid of the sun these days because of skin cancer and stuff. So a lot of people are covering themselves up with all kinds of you know, lotions and stuff to block the sun, which I think is... Sun is life. I mean, sun is the life of everything on Earth, and it's also been proven to be one of the most important things for our immune system. I mean, I think instinctively, people that are sick, older people especially, they want to feel the sun on their face. They want to feel it because their body's like saying, "I need, I need that life that that guy, that life that the the sun has given us." And so, and unfortunately, people are afraid of the sun these days, so they're not getting the D three either. And it's really ironic because if you look back a hundred years ago. Most of us, our careers were outdoors. We were mm. working the fields or working whatever outside, and skin cancer was a you know, rare occurrence. Today, we're working indoors. Most everybody has an indoor job, and skin cancer is exploding. So mm-hmm. 
what is it? Is it the sun or is it something else? Mm. I think it's something else. <laughs> awesome, yeah. Made some great points there. I like what you said about the creatine. Like a lot of athletes I worked with, I've seen a lot of hamstring pulls. Even my little brother started using creatine hamstring pulls. So yeah, I don't know if the science is out there on that, but definitely it, it does seem your seem to mean you're um, Robin Peter to pay Paul. And um, I love what you said about B12. I think the misconception is that like if only if you're plant based you eat B12, but really. Everybody needs a little B12, right? Tell, yeah. tell us a little more about that. Well, B12 is a, a bacteria that helps coagulate the blood. It helps the blood become thicker and more accessible. I mean, it's super important. If we, if we don't have it, we're, gonna, we're not going to be doing very well. Usually you feel fatigue first. Mm-hmm. Our body does make a little bit of B12 in our intestinal system, but really not enough anymore. There's even a theory that our appendix back in the day before our appendix be, kind of became obsolete was a big B12 maker. But because we evolved and we didn't need the B12 anymore from our appendix, that we were getting it from our food and from our environment, our body stopped making it. But that's just a theory. I'm not sure if that's true, but I've read that before. But everybody needs B12. And uh, don't rely on a hamburger or a steak or any kind of animal product to get your B12, even fish, because as soon as you cook it, not too many people eat it raw, as soon as you cook it, it's, it's, it's going to denature it, and your body's not going to be able to absorb it like you think it is, and you're going to leave yourself susceptible to it. Like I said, your body makes a little bit of it, so you can go, there's talk about your body can store and utilize, if you're not taking any B12 in for like three plus years, but eventually you're going to need it, especially older people, mm. you know, they make the, sure they take the B12. So B12 is important. And real simple, we, we, I just take a little spray to the back of the throat, it's just like a little pump spray once a week is all you need. And now I'm even seeing people who are so paranoid about B12 that they're overtaking it. And now you're starting to see just like, which is human nature, if something's good, more is better, right? So people are starting to get symptoms of over B12, you know, getting sick. The same thing with D3. We've seen in the past with vitamin E, people started overdoing vitamin E and they started getting heart disease and cancers and mega doses of vitamin C. Our body is much smarter than that. You know, when we try to supplement all these man-made concocted things into our body, it's, it's not a good thing. The body says, I was designed to run on these certain nutrients and fruits, vegetables, whole grains, nuts and seeds, they got it all. Yeah, that's awesome. And you mentioned Arnold. I know I think some people would be a little surprised to learn that Arnold only eats plants now. Is that the case? I don't case? think he's 100%. Not 100%? Yeah, okay. I think there's a, there's a wave of people out there that are calling themselves flexitarians. Okay. So they're trying to eat less meat because they know it's a little healthier for them, but they also can't give up their meat because they like the taste of it. Of course, yeah. And some of them, like Arnold, because he's, he's big buddies with James Cameron, mm-hmm. who he did Terminator with, and, and James Cameron uh, started studying more of a plant-based nutrition because of the environment. He saw the connection between animal agriculture and the, and the planet, and he's a big savior of the oceans. After he did the movie Titanic, he really got into the oceans. So we started realizing how much of an effect animal agriculture has on the planet. So because they're buddies, he started recruiting Arnold. And they just did this new movie. I don't know if you're sure if you saw it or not, mm-hmm. called The Game Changers. Yeah, of course. And I think the whole goal of that movie was to help educate people about the environmental connection of it. But the hardest thing about getting people to do that is they worry that they're not going to get enough protein. And that they're, somehow their athletic performance is going to be less because they are not eating their normal amounts of protein that they that they assume that they can only get from animals. And they went out to dispel that. And uh, and it is... It's a great movie. Yeah. Out there on Netflix, I believe. If you guys haven't seen it, you should definitely check it out. I thought it was really well put together. So Yeah. yeah. It was kind of cool. Uh, a competitor of yours, Joe Rogan, you know, he's not quite as many followers as you have. <laughs> right. But uh, he's, he's he loves to bash a plant-based diet. Mm-hmm. I and mean, that's his 
thing. He's a hunter, and he's you know, yeah. he, and he has a number of guests on his show that like to uh, discredit it. Mm-hmm. And one of them came on the show a couple of weeks ago after Game Changers came out and just bashed it big time. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure your listeners probably know what I'm talking about. I don't need to mention any names. But anyway, the producer of the Game Changers, the guy besides uh, James Cameron, who the guy you follow throughout the whole thing, the mixed martial art guy, mm-hmm. his name's James Wilkes. He said, well, if you're going to bash my film, give me a chance to do a rebuttal. So just the last Joe Rogan episode podcast, he had him on and... Uh, was, he was pretty brutal. I mean, yeah. it was, he was really tough on, on... From what I heard, Joe Rogan kind of reversed his stance on it. He right? did. Or, you know, he's yeah. never heard anybody explain it as well as James mm. did, that, that, yeah, you can't be healthy on a plant-based diet. And I, he even said, I'm considering taking down the episode that I had previously bashing the, mm. the game show, because he backed it up with science. And there's, yeah. there's an incredible yeah. amount of science. As much as people want to argue the point that it's, it's biased mm. and this... Yeah. There's a lot of science, and I like the analogy. There's uh, 50 years ago, people smoked, and doctors recommended smoking, and athletes smoked, and smoking was a no big deal. You know, it's going to help your performance. I mean, Babe Ruth smoked, and John Wayne smoked, and all the studs smoked, but until they died of lung cancer and they died of throat cancer. So over those years, there was thousands and thousands up to like I think there was up to 5,000 different studies showing that smoking is you know related to cancer. But of course, nobody ever wanted to admit that because that would be major lawsuits and stuff like that. So finally, the Surgeon General came out and said, you know, we're seeing a correlation between cigarette smoking and, and cancer. So finally, they started putting warning on cigarettes and stuff. Now, well, as they point out in the Game Changers, as James Wilk points out, you're seeing the same kind of evidence against animal-based foods mm-hmm. and thousands of studies. I mean, literally thousands of studies. Back in 1990, Dr. Dean Ornish proved that you could reverse heart disease, our number one killer, the biggest killer on the planet aside from mosquitoes, malaria, is heart disease worldwide. You could actually stop the progression and reverse it by switching to a low cholesterol, low fat, plant-based diet. And he proved it with his studies. And since then, multiple other doctors have done it. Dr. Caldwell Esselton from the Cleveland Clinic is one of the more recent ones. And study after study, that's, you know, you know when it comes to science, it's all about evidence-based. It's observable, repeatable. Can you observe it happening and can you repeat it to another person? And they do it over and over again. So that's what got me excited about this way of eating. Because when I started seeing clients in my personal training studios getting cancer or getting heart disease, and I felt helpless to helping them, that's why I started going out and studying this because I wanted to be able to help them. And that's why I started learning about this this message. That was almost 25 years ago. Oh, that's awesome. And I, I love how kind of the experience or life, just real life stuff gets people into this. I mean, I, I don't know if you've, I'm sure you're familiar with Dr. Greger and oh, yeah. How Not to Die. And I really enjoyed reading that book and especially just the passion of how he saw it change his grandma's life is really what inspired him to dedicate his entire life, his whole life to his, that message. And so his grandma was told to go home and prepare to die about mid sixties. Yeah, and she was in a wheelchair, right? Uh-huh. And congestive heart failure. Mm-hmm. They didn't know what to do with her, and so she had some money, which helped her out. So she went to a, a resort called the Pritikin Center, which is in Florida. And Nathan Pritikin at the time was advocating a low fat, whole food, plant only diet. And she went there, and he was one of the people he wrote his book about. As a matter of fact, his mother is dedicated in Pritikin's book saying that she was one of the first clients, that, you know, first patients that came to his center that reversed her heart disease. And mm. oh, by the way, she lived into her early 90s. Mm. And Dr. Greger, who was at like eight years old at the time, saw that progression. And that's what spurred him on to become a doctor and spurred him on to open, you know, starting this nonprofit, nutritionfacts.org. And basically he's saying, 
I'll, I'll promote anything out there that's proven to reverse disease. You know, people want to say he's biased towards a plant-based diet. He says, I'm biased because that's where the science points me. You know, I don't, I'm not biased because, you know, uh, you know, I'm a vegan and I want to save yeah. the animals. I'm biased because all the nutritional papers out there point towards a plant-based diet. And they have to be, again, observable, repeatable, you know, prove it. Mm-hmm. And then you have to have see the success stories, and that's what he does. So if you, if you want to follow one website about nutrition, nutritionfacts.org, Dr. Michael Greger, he's fantastic. As you said, he has a book called How Not to Die, but he has a new book called How Not to Diet, mm. which is really good. Mm. And have to check that one out. It's all based on truths and science. So I, I, it's, it's, it's fun to kind of learn this stuff because it goes against the way all of us were raised. You know, oh, I was, absolutely. Milk does the body good oh, yeah. and, yeah. I was raised in Colorado. My mom yeah. loved to cook, yeah. and she was a great cook. And I, just, I think we were talking beforehand about, you know, she was one of those moms that you sit at the table until you finish all your food, and you can't leave the table until it's all done. So that's what I was raised. I'd clean my plate every time I, I eat, unfortunately. But I, I grew up believing, like all of us believe, that, you know, there's certain foods we have to have. You know, back when I was growing up, they had the four food groups. One of them was meat, and one of them was dairy, and the other ones were fruits and vegetables. So... Half of the food groups was meat and dairy. So that's, you know, you figure you had to have all that. That's this, this necessity for life. And as you get older and as you start educating yourself and as you start seeing friends around you and clients around you having health problems, you start seeing what caused that. You know, everybody, everybody's quick to do chemo or take a pill or have surgery or have bypass. But what, let's get to the root cause. Let's just don't put Band-Aids on stuff. And that's what all these doctors like Dr. Greger and Dr. Esselton and, are doing is they're like, okay, what caused this problem? We just can't. You know, that, that's the big problem in our society today is people are debating healthcare all the time. Well, it's not really healthcare, it's disease care mm-hmm. because we're not really stopping the disease. All we're doing is throwing money at it, trying and to... Band-aids and... Yeah, trying, yeah, to, keep, no, trying to keep people alive. Not getting alive. to the root cause at all. Yeah, yeah, not getting to the cause. And yeah. a lot of people will blame the cause on genetics, you know, but I love another one of Dr. Greger's favorite quotes is that genetics load the gun, but lifestyle pulls the trigger. Mm. So we all have some kind of DNA malfunction in us that makes us more susceptible to something. It makes us not grow as tall or makes us be more susceptible to cancer or whatever. But how we feed it, how we go through life, whether we smoke or whether we do drugs or we overdo alcohol or what we eat is what makes things flourish. And that's what I've learned over the past few years, that we're not, we're not doomed to our DNA, not doomed to our genetics we're not, a, you know, we're not at fate because of whatever happened to our parents. We, uh, we get the same diseases our parents got because we eat the same way our parents ate. So you have to change the, or the lifestyle that the parents lived, you know, whether it's, like I said, smoke and drink and drugs. All those things affect. Our bodies are amazing. I mean, that's one thing I've learned over the almost 40 years of studying nutrition and fitness is that we have these miraculous, self-healing, amazing bodies. And as long as we don't, trash them as long as we don't put junk in them like i use the analogy like a you putting the wrong gasoline in a car mm-hmm. if you took your nice car to a gas station and said you know what i'm gonna try this gas this car runs on unleaded fuel right but i'm gonna try diesel today just for the heck of it i see all these trucks running around with diesel maybe it's gonna make my car run bigger and faster and stronger and you know a day later all of a sudden it's coughing and puking and it won't run and you take it to the mechanic and the mechanic says you know what's going on what what kind of fuel are you putting in your car and you say well i tried diesel he goes well, I got an idea. Stop putting diesel in, put what's designed to go in that car, and that's unleaded, and lo and behold, the car runs perfectly again. So I use that same analogy with food, is that people wonder why we're getting all these problems, and they assume that we're eating, we need these certain foods for nutrients. We need animals for protein, and we need 
cow's milk for calcium and we need fish for omega-3s and on and on and on. But that's just marketing, you mm-hmm. know? If you really analyze it, if you start, go back to the beginning and you look at how food is developed, how nutrients are developed, it all starts with the sun, that really important thing that gives us life, and through photosynthesis. Photosynthesis is all about the sunshine of the earth. It hits the roots of the, the, the plant in the ground. The, the roots pull out all the minerals from the ground, the calcium, the magnesium, the iron. And then the, through the stem and through the seeds and through the fruits of the, uh, and the leaves of that plant creates amino acids. That's where the foundation of protein is, is all amino acids. As a matter of fact, the greener a leaf is, the more amino acids it has. So if you look at the moose that are roaming our our little countryside, they're just eating those leaves, and they don't have any problem with their their protein technique. Or you look at a great ape, which is closer to our anatomy that lives in the jungles. You know, they basically, I think a doctor said uh, one time that they, they basically live on the Atkins diet, which is a high protein diet, but they don't eat animals. So they're getting all their protein from these high nutrient, high really green leafy vegetables. And we can too. But we've just we've gotten the habit of letting the animals do the eating of those proteins, those amino acids, and then we'll get the protein secondhand through their flesh. And my assessment after studying this for a lifetime is that we need to cut out the middle animal. The middle animal, we're, yeah, we're getting some of their protein, but we're also getting a lot of the, the baggage that comes with it. And that's the saturated fat and the cholesterol and the salmonella and the E. coli and the, all the stuff that comes along with the animal flesh and whatever the, however that animal was raised. And I just try to encourage people to eat the nutrients directly from the original source, which is plants. Amazing. Yeah, I really appreciate your passion and your message here. We're just going to take a brief commercial break and we'll be back uh, to talk more about the plant-based lifestyle with Kent. At Hall Physical Therapy, we help active adults and athletes get rid of frustration, get off the couch, and get back to running, lifting, and playing the sports that they love without the need for painkillers, injections, or surgery. As a special offer for this episode from Hall Physical Therapy, we're offering you a free discovery session for you to come in and find out what's wrong and what can be done to help you get back to doing the things that you like to do. Just contact us at 385-429-2018. That's 385-429-2018. And let us know you've listened to our podcast. And now, back to the show. All right, welcome back to the Stay Healthy Salt Lake podcast. We're here back with Kent Maurer, personal trainer and also certified plant-based nutritionist with three different organizations. And uh, let's talk a little bit more about the plant-based <laughs> lifestyle. I can tell you're passionate about this. So tell us more. Tell us what we need to know. And Well, you know, I'm sorry if I'm, uh, if hopefully I'm not turning any of your viewers off or listeners no. off because it, it does kind of touch some raw nerves in people when you start talking this way. Yeah, of course. I mean, you've heard the old adage, you know, to be, uh, when you go to a cocktail party, to not talk about politics, because that could, you know, cause some problems, or not talk about religion, because, you know, that pushes some buttons. But I found that food <laughs> is even more of a touchy subject than either one of those That's two. That's an amazing point. It really is. Yeah. I mean, people are so passionate about what they're eating, and they don't like to be told of that what they're eating is not... Not good for them, and I and I, that's not my approach. I'm not one of those in-your-face people. I let people come to me that are interested, and if they want to learn more, then I'm I'm here for them. But if they, I'm not going to preach to them that they're doing something wrong unless they're they're looking for help. So I do a lot of fun things with people. I try I do ten-day challenges where I take people for ten days and I take them to a grocery store, show them how to shop, 
Then I take them, uh, we have little potlucks, and I show them how to cook things, and everybody makes a meal, and we all share it. They realize, well, this is tasty, and this is good, and it was cheap. And, and then we go watch documentaries, all the amazing documentaries are out there besides the Game Changers. Mm-hmm. And I like to go on walks. I'm a big exercise guy, so it's a great time to talk. You take them for a hike in the, in the hills, and they kind of talk about their own personal situation because everybody's got a different issue, you mm-hmm. know, a health issue or whatever. And then we go to restaurants at the end of the 10 days and, and learn how to order. Say, well, can you leave the butter off that? And how about a little less oil? And uh, can I have beans instead of beef? This, you know, so you just kinda, it's kind of a fun little process. So that's kind of how I've evolved. And I, I do it you know, where people are willingly wanting to hear it. If they don't want to hear it, then you know, I'm, that's, that's, their, that's the human choice. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so like I said, my, my whole world started when I started seeing people getting sick. And I, one girl in particular had brain cancer. One of my clients, she got brain cancer and it was a young girl, this beautiful young girl. And I didn't know anything about plant-based nutrition back then. I just worked out people. And when she got brain cancer, she hooked up with a a cook who was cooking her macrobiotic diet. And I didn't know anything about a macrobiotic diet. And I learned that it was a plant-based diet based around brown rice, lots of steamed vegetables, miso soups, and she was eating it, and she was feeling better. She was, like, coming in after being away from me for a while. She was having these seizures, and her seizures stopped. And she was feeling fantastic. And we started working out again, and she was getting her energy back. And she just felt like she had her life back together again. And her and her husband were well-to-do. So they, they took a summer, and they decided to go travel, you know, one of the summers. I'd been working with her for a year since the brain cancer kind of faded away that she was feeling so good. And during that time in Europe, when she was traveling around, she went back to her old eating habits because she didn't have her chef there started eating more animal-based foods, as she told me, and it came back. And it came back with a vengeance. And she died at the end of that summer. And that was the first time anybody really, besides a, you know, a grandfather or whatever, somebody that I'd really gotten close to had died. I'm like, oh my gosh, I, this, I didn't like this feeling. It wasn't cool. So that's why I really said, I got to start learning about it. And then a bell went off on my, in my head because this macrobiotic diet, even though I didn't know about it, I actually did know about it. What I you know, don't mention to people too often, it was just kind of a fun time of my life. But after college, after playing football for a few years uh, and being in great shape, and I just said, you know, how can I utilize this, this energy I have? So I went out to L.A. and I tried to be a stuntman in the, mm. in the movies for a while. And it was fun. I didn't know anybody out there. And I didn't know how hard it was to become a stuntman. I didn't know that you know, it really takes you know, a lot of effort. But I got lucky. And so I went out there the first week and I went to this, this, this area where I heard that they had a lot of agents and stuff. I thought, you know, I'll just get an agent and then I'll start going on doing all these things. And, mm-hmm. and I went door to door and this, this one lady who was an agent, kind of a beginner, beginning in her career, she goes, you know, I really don't take on new people, but I know just a couple doors down, they're shooting a commercial for Nissan. Actually, it was Datsun back there before Datsun became Nissan. That's how old it was back in the early 80s. And they, they had a guy that was supposed to double for their main actor, but he just quit because uh, there was this guy called the Spider-Man, and he got famous for climbing up the World Trade Center mm-hmm. from the outside of the building. Mm-hmm. And after he did that World Trade Center, everybody was wanting to talk to him. He wanted more money for this commercial that he already committed to, and they wouldn't give it to him. So they're looking for a new person to double this guy in a commercial. And in the commercial, they needed somebody to rappel off of some mountains and then to kayak down a stream. And I actually had some pictures of me rappelling. That was something I liked to do, was just go rappelling off of mountains and stuff. And But I never kayaked before in my life. But of course, I told them, I could. <laughs> and I actually went out in Marina Del Rey that night and rented a kayak and started paddling around and trying to figure out how to work a kayak and see if I could roll one and all that kind of stuff. And four days later, they did what's called a Taft-Hartley. And a Taft-Hartley is like an emergency 
declaration that you can get your Screen Actors card because people go out there for years and cannot work because you can't work unless you get your Screen Actors card and you can't get your Screen Actors card unless you work. So it's like a catch-22. But I was just fortunate enough to be in the right place at the right time and I got my Screen Actors card, went out on a Learjet to Mammoth Mountain from, San, from Los Angeles four days later after being in California for only a week and worked for about a week rappelling and kayaking up there. And I ended up making about, that was my first job. I ended up making, because you get residuals for these things, I probably made about $30,000 on that thing. Wow. I probably would have made more, but this, it was a football strike that year. Mm. And they wanted to play a lot of those commercials during football games, and they didn't because of the, the strike. So I probably could have made more. I said, man, that's, this is easy. I'm going to do this forever. <laughs> and then reality set in that you don't get jobs like that that easy. And I ended up getting my extra card, you know, my screen extras card, where you just kind of walk around the background. Mm-hmm. And that was kind of fun too, even though it kept you kept you working more often. But that was a good way to meet people because it really learned is it's a who you know business. And friends hire friends, family hire family, and you could be the best athlete on the planet. I even had a stunt guy tell me this. He says you could be the best athlete on the planet unless you know somebody. You're not going to get a you're not going to get to work here. So I started just kind of being a hardworking guy like I always was, and and I started getting work, and it was fun. But one of the jobs I got on was called the A Team. And they've made a remake and a movie of it recently, but uh, a few years back. But the original A Team was a, a oh, yeah. three guys. Mr. T. Mr. T, yeah, exactly. Of course. George Papard was the main leader, always had the cigar. But there was a guy named um, Dirk Benedict, and he played the character called Face. Hmm. And Dirk Benedict was this lean, good looking guy. He was the good looking dude of the thing. And so I would go to the, at lunchtime, we get to sit down and have lunch with all the, you know, the stars, which was pretty cool. And I'd, I'd sit down and plop my little greasy hamburger and greasy fries down. And he'd always have a big bowl of brown rice and steamed vegetables. And like every time I worked this show a lot, I mean, probably two or three times a week for a couple of years. And I finally got the courage to go up to him. I said, you know, I always see those, that, you know, brown rice and steamed vegetables. What's, what's the deal with that? Cause he started getting comfortable with me cause he'd see me there all the time. He goes, well, I have to tell you, I got cancer when I was 30 years old and prostate cancer. And that was in the early 70s. And he goes, back then, they didn't know, really know what to do with prostate cancer. Basically, they just castrated you. And like here I was, a young, virile guy. I didn't want to be castrated. So he's doing a play with a, a lady called Gloria Swanson, a very famous older actress. And she said, you know, you should try macrobiotics. I've heard this, you know, really good, amazing success of people reversing cancer with macrobiotics. And so we went on this quest for like a 10-year quest of changing his diet and his thoughts and all this stuff. And he ended up writing a book called The Confessions of a Kamikaze Cowboy. And it's an awesome <laughs> book. That was one of the first, first books. It really isn't a nutrition book. It's just his life. Mm-hmm. And he was raised in Montana on a cattle farm, ironically, a dairy farm. And he was a football player like I was. And we had a lot in common, except he was much better looking and <laughs> more, a lot more money. But um, anyway, he, uh, he really educated me on this eating thing. And I'm, it kind of went in one ear without the other because I didn't want to give up my burger. I, you know, I don't want to eat that. You're yeah. eating. I want to eat my burger. But anyway, kind of, kind of resurrected again as this girl who had the brain cancer started doing macrobiotics. So then I started reading about it. And there was just a huge track record of people who had switched to a plant-based diet and saw the, their bodies able to heal better from things like cancer and heart disease. And at the time, living in San Diego, another movement was getting big, and that was the raw food diet. You know, that was big for a while. And the raw food diet, there was a big guru there, this, uh, this David Wolf. He was a big raw food addict. He lived in San Diego. So I go listen to some of his talks. And he, he was really a salesman. I mean, he really had you going for it. So I started doing a raw food thing. And it's just lots of fruits and vegetables, nuts and seeds. And living in San Diego, you always had access to that because you had fresh fruit year-round. So I never had to worry about not having enough food to eat. 
But what kind of started turning me off, he started pushing more and more supplements, you know, more and more. If it, you know, I started thinking, well, if this is such a perfect diet, why am I having to buy all your supplements? So I kind of started phasing away from that. But plus, I was always craving more filling foods. I was really, really active. I just felt it was hard to get enough calories. I started munching so many nuts, it was too many nuts. You know, I, I couldn't get enough leafy greens. I couldn't get enough fruit. So that's when I started going to different conferences and learning from different doctors who who advocated more of a starch-based diet where you revolve your diet around more filling fruits and vegetables mm. like, like potatoes, like sweet potatoes especially, beans, whole grains like the macrobiotic whole grains, and then complement that with a, all the different rainbow of roots, fruits and vegetables. So that's kind of why I evolved into it. That's what really works for me, and that's why I recommend to people today. And I try to keep it as lo- you know, whole as possible, as less processed as possible. And all you got to do is eat enough calories. And if you don't eat, if you try to, I, what I'm saying is if you try to just eat kale, you're going to fail. <laughs> as, as healthy as kale is, right. I mean, if you break down the calorie content of all the foods on the planet, vegetables are only 100 calories per pound. Fruits are 300 calories per pound. Then starches, those little heavier, denser foods like beans, potatoes, and whole grains, those are 500 to 600 calories per pound. Then you jump up to meat and dairy, and that's 1,500 calories per pound. Then you go to nuts and seeds, which are very nutritious, but kind of high in fat. So those are 3,000 calories per pound. And then the most calorie-dense thing you can put in your body are oils, which is basically the fat taken out of whatever plant it was taken out of, from an olive to a flaxseed or whatever. And those are 4,000 calories per pound. Those are 100% fat. So every tablespoon of oil you'll ever look at on the bottle, every tablespoon is 120 calories. So if you're one of those people that likes to slather oil, olive oil over everything, and you like to dip your bread in it, and you like to cook in it, and you spray it on your pan to do that, you're probably, without knowing about it, adding about five to, to 1,000 calories a day just in wow. oils. Wow. And you're wondering why you can't get the weight off. Yeah. Oils sneak up really quick. Yeah. Mm. Tell us, so that people can just get a better idea, tell us what an average day, like meal, you know, breakfast, lunch, dinner, snacks, whatever, might look like for you. Because okay. I think sometimes people struggle to realize how healthy and how good, you know, or how tasty a plant-based meal can be. So. Oh, yeah. It's, instead of looking at it as like you're taking away something, you say, you're, look at the opportunities that are being awarded to you. So, again, I grew up a meat eater, and my basic breakfasts were always the same. You know, it was like a bacon and eggs for breakfast, egg McMuffin or some kind of fast food thing for dinner, a burger for dinner. I love my burgers, still do. And then at dinner was a, you know, a piece of chicken or, you know, sort of a few vegetables thrown in there for a little color. Mm-hmm. A steak every now and then, and then, then at night a bowl of ice cream. So if you, if for those of you who saw the Game Changers, they have a really good scene in there where they take the blood out of these really these three really fit athletes from the Miami Dolphins, and they take their blood out, and then one day they give them a plant based meal, and one day they give them a meat based meal, and they show the difference in their blood. And with the plant based meal, their blood was nice and clear, and with the meat based meal, it was all murky and dark. And as the doctor said, this Dr. Walter Willett, who is a very famous doctor from Harvard, he said that if you were eating a, an animal-based meal, it takes about four to five hours for all that fat that you just ate, the saturated fat that's in that animal-based flesh, to get out of your system. So if you're eating that kind of meal, breakfast, lunch, and dinner, it's literally never out of your system. It's always circulating through your blood. So with that kind of fat, it causes inflammation. It causes, a, over a period of time, it starts collecting inside your artery walls, narrowing your arteries, eventually creating little plaques inside there. And when one of those plaques breaks open, it causes a problem for your body to get blood to it. And that's where a heart attack happens or a stroke happens or whatever. So when you switch to a plant-based diet, you're automatically getting all that animal fat out of your diet and all that cholesterol that only comes from animal out of your diet. 
So when I stopped eating all my favorite foods, I just learned other ways to my favorite. And I, you know, people don't realize there's over 80,000 fruits and vegetables that are edible on planet Earth. And I was only eating probably like a half a dozen meals on a regular basis when I was a meat eater. Now I'm eating so much more variety. I never knew what couscous was or mm. quinoa was or all these different grains and all these different things that I just never even thought of because I liked my other stuff. So it really opened the door to a lot of variety of food. And so basically I revolve my every meal around some kind of more dense starch. And a lot of people are afraid of the word starch. And starch is only bad when it's really highly processed. Like when you take a really healthy grain and you grind it up into nothing and then all you got is white flour left and you got white bread. Okay, that's where starch is bad. Or starch is bad when you take a potato and you deep fry it and make it into potato chips or french fries. It's those oils again that are causing the problem, not the potato itself. And grains are bad is when you take all the fiber out of it and leave the white rice or the white whatever and there's really not a lot of nutrients left over. So whole is the key. You know, as mm. much like it was grown as possible. Okay, then you complement that with all kinds of stuff. So I can make any of those a bean, a potato, or a grain into so many different meals, from burritos to burgers to to oatmeal's to different types of cereals. So there's lots of variety you can make out of those basics right there. So so you have a base of some kind of starch, and then and then complement that with whatever's in season when it comes to fruits and vegetables. And fortunately, in the day and age that we live now, you can go to Costco or Walmart or wherever you shop and find fruits that are, and vegetables that are, from, that are from all over the world. Now, yeah, we want to eat as locally as possible, but it, it's, it's not realistic, especially in a place like here. At San Diego, mm -hmm. yeah. you could do it, but not in, not in Salt Lake. So we have to take advantage of how small the world has gotten. And yeah, we want to keep our footprint light. But if you really start doing the math on how much, you know, how much environmental connection there is to uh, flying some grains from South America to here compared to even growing beef across the street... It's pretty crazy how much more impactful that beef is than flying something across the world. That's a whole other subject I'd be glad to talk about as well. But so anyway, so in the, in the summer I eat a little lighter. In the summer I like smoothies in the morning. I like to have a you know big smoothie to start my day because I, I usually start my first client about seven. So I, I'm not really that hungry in the morning. So I don't want to eat too much, but a smoothie really gets me going. And I usually have appointments till noon, so that's four or five hours of you know not being able to eat. And usually I have a lunch break, like from noon to two, and I'm a big hiker, so I'll go do a quick hike. So literally from having that smoothie till I have my next meal is not till about two o'clock, and uh, that smoothie carries me over along. So the smoothie is usually a banana, various frozen vegetables, whether it's uh, frozen fruit, excuse me, whether it's uh, cherries or strawberries, blueberries always, always have blueberries. Then I'll throw a little kale in there, a little spinach, just some greens in there to give me some of that nutrition. I always sprinkle a little flax seed in there, a little chia seeds to get those good omega-3s. And I just blend that up, and it just lasts forever for me. Mm. Then my biggest meal is lunch. So then lunch, I love burritos. So I'll make bean and rice burritos or bean and potato burritos. Just make those at home. And then I'll munch a little bit more nuts in the afternoon just to give me a little bit more cessation. Then at night's usually a big salad. I want to have a big salad every day, usually with balsamic dressing. And because balsamic's actually been proven to make the greens even more absorbable. And Dr. Esselton is from the Cleveland Clinic has proved that. And then to complement that salad is a sweet potato or a white potato or fingerling potatoes or purple potatoes. I love potatoes. And, and but I don't do them with sour cream and butter and bacon bits like we all used to eat them. And that's what gives the, again, potatoes a bad name is not the potato, but how we're consuming them or deep frying them. And then dinner, we make every one of the things I look forward to in the in the Summer is making my own ice cream. So I take banana, frozen bananas, usually like just three bananas, which is about 150 calories, 
200 calories if they're bigger bananas. And I blend those up in my Vitamix with some ice. And I blend them with a little, just a little dab of like a plant-based milk. And the, la- the latest milk I'm into now is oat milk. This brand called Oatly is just so rich and thick, it's really good. But I've gone through almond milk and soy milk and all that kind of stuff. But oat milk is my favorite right now. But it doesn't take much. So you blend that up, put a little cacao powder in there, make a chocolate ice cream where you put pineapples in there and make a pineapple flavor one or put blueberries in it, whatever you put in there, whatever flavor. And it's just such a great treat at night because it gives you that sweet fix with very little calories and it makes you feel satisfied. But nowadays, I'm kind of experimenting with that uh, time-restricted eating. That's kind of the, the kind of a popular thing now. So I try to shut down my food at seven o'clock at night, and I try not to eat again until about eleven or twelve in the in the day. Mm. So I'm I'm not doing that smoothie now. Intermittent fasting, exactly. Yeah. And that's kind of what you're. This is it's a, it's a it's kind of a popular thing right mm-hmm. now. It's been around for a long time, but it, it's it's good for kind of help you keep your weight down if you're trying to lose a little weight. Kind of gives you a window of only being able to eat like six or seven or eight hours. So if you're only eating, you start eating at noon and you have to stop at seven, that's seven hours to eat. And if you ate most of those calories earlier in the day, like at lunch and less at night before seven, you'll thrive. But it's not only the weight loss, but there's scientific proof, and they've been doing it with all kinds of different species, from from little bugs to rats to even humans. This restricted eating, this time restricted or calorie restricted, is proving that people live longer. Yeah. And their body's able to... Extends kind of, your telomeres. Exactly. You're able to grow those telomeres back. And if, for people who aren't familiar with telomeres, if you just look at your shoelaces, that little thing at the end of your shoelaces that keeps them from unraveling, that little plastic thing, those are part of our little DNA. And as those get shorter in our life, as we get older, those are our telomeres. Our life gets shorter. But by eating this way and doing this restricting this restricted way of eating, those telomeres can actually grow longer and you can actually extend your life. And they're seeing some really good research of that. So it's not only good for weight loss, but it's also good for... And if you just think about it, our body puts so much energy into digestive food. And if we're eating 24-7, if we're eating till late at night, till early in the morning, till first thing in the morning, your body's always working to digest whatever you're putting in your body, whether it's plants or animals, doesn't matter. It takes a lot of energy to digest it, more energy to digest animals because they don't have any fiber. So if you take that effort away from your body, it gives it time to, to do more repairing. It can repair DNA damage. It can repair stuff that your body's not uh, able to do when it's always having to put all of its energy and time into digesting food. So that's awesome. kind of the idea behind it, too. Awesome. Tell me, uh, do you have a favorite restaurant in Park City or Salt Lake? Or? Well, Park City is, is not too good if you like to only eat plants. <laughs> there's no plant-based restaurants there. Okay. But personally, I can go to a Ruth Crisp's, and I can eat great there. I can go to Ruth Crisp's and get a baked potato. They'll make me some steamed vegetables. I mean, I just buy all the sides. But in Park City, uh, I go to Squatters a lot because they're pretty kind of friendly. And I get I get one of their I get a big salad with beans and rice on the bottom, salad on the top with their cilantro lime dressing, which has no oil. And I'll put a little tofu on the top if I don't feel like tofu. I'll put beans, more beans on the top, and uh, it's, it's super satisfying. If you add the beans or you add the tofu or you add the grains, that makes it more filling. It's kind of like putting a piece of chicken on your salad or whatever. So I like that. Um, but we come to Salt Lake a lot, you know, so I, we go to all the places around Salt Lake. And I, actually, we don't even gravitate to that many of the vegan restaurants in Salt Lake. I just go to places like right up the road from you is Maza. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they have yeah, all I went there on Monday night. Yeah, that's great yeah. food. Yeah. And so you can, find, you can find this way of eating anywhere. And we like a, a wide variety. I like more filling kind of American food, you know, burgers and stuff. And my wife likes more like Thai food and Japanese food. So we kind of balance back and forth between of those. Awesome. Hey, what's your favorite outdoor activity uh, in Salt Lake? And I think you probably answered this already about five times. <laughs> well, you know, I, I grew up being really athletic and I used to love to run. And mm-hmm. I was one of those guys that never missed a day running. Mm-hmm. And as I got older, my joints started feeling not so good. I stopped running. And when we moved here, 
I'm, I do the same thing, but now it's hike. So I hike every day. And it's, it's, it's not only my cardio, it's my therapy, it's my way to visualize the world, it's my church, it's everything. Mm-hmm. So I love a lot of the trails, like up behind the U over here, mm-hmm. I go up to the top of, yeah. uh, that's called Living Room Wire, Ma- that. yeah. Wire Mountain at the very Wire top, Mountain. they have yeah. that little tower up there, I love to hike up there. Yeah. What's this peak right over here, Grace, uh, Grandeur Peak, mm-hmm. that's a nice tough little hike. But there's all kinds of great hiking trails around Park City, so, cool. so I love to hike. Yeah, tell tell people if they're interested in learning more about you know the plant based lifestyle or any of this information. Where can they go? What would you recommend? Well, you know, I, I put together a, a website. And it's just my own little amateur website. It has nothing about me in there. As a matter of fact, it's gonna be hard for you to find me if you're trying to find me through that website. But on that website, I have links to all the great documentaries that are out there, from Game Changers all the way down to Forks Over Knives and What the Health and Cowspiracy. Mm. Uh, then I also have links to all the different books and all the different doctors that I've learned from. And then I also have a whole section just on protein, so help people try to understand that you know, protein comes from plants, originates in plants, and you're just getting your protein from an animal secondhand. Mm-hmm. So that's, the, to me, the root of all evil, mm-hmm. the root of all the problems is people's mindset that they have to get a ton of protein and it can only come from animals. Protein is really important, but we don't need that much of it, and we can get it all from plants without the middle animal. Mm-hmm. And the whole ramifications of that, just really quickly, is that because of that drive for protein, because of that quest for protein, it's created an industry called the animal agriculture industry. And right now on planet Earth, we have almost 7.7 billion humans, but we also have to feed those humans and the desire for that animal protein that people are asking for, there's over 70 billion animals being raised mm. for food. Wow. And those animals, a lot of them are huge. They're cows yeah. and they're pigs and they're sheep and they're goats, yeah. as well as billions of chickens. And those animals take a lot of food, and that food and takes, water a, lot of, too, takes a lot right? of water, yeah. and they take a lot of land, and that takes a lot of deforestation, mm-hmm. and they create a lot of waste, and that ends up in our waters and streams. So it's just an on and on and on and on problem. So um, I got off the track of telling you where to You're go. Find some yeah, I was going to say, what is that website? <laughs> but anyway, my website, my website is my little kind of like catchphrase is one single act. And one single act, written word, O-N-E-S-I-N-G-L-E-A-C-T, Dot org. That's my website. And you can find all kinds of different references to what I've been talking about here. And I'm also Instagram and Twitter and uh, Facebook and also a YouTube channel. I made about over a couple hundred videos on this whole message. And it's all one single act. So you can look for one single act on any of those and find me if you want to. And I'm sure you could probably connect with me through Facebook if you wanted to find me awesome. through Facebook. Mm. Yeah. Mm. I really appreciate your passion and uh, your depth of knowledge that you brought today. So it was really... Uh, really great to hear so you didn't want to make this a three-hour talk because we could <laughs> i know you can we, keep going we could keep going yeah <laughs> you could keep going no i appreciate it and uh yeah it's, thanks for coming on the podcast and stay healthy out there salt lake thank you thank you for listening to the stay healthy salt lake podcast brought to you by hall physical therapy at hall physical therapy we help active adults and athletes get rid of frustration regain mobility and get back to running lifting crossfit and playing the sports that they love without the need for painkillers injections or surgery visit our website at www.hallpt.com where you will find articles videos and free reports that you can download to help you get started from the comfort of your own home. There you will find ebooks for topics such as back pain, knee pain, and neck and shoulder pain. These quick to read reports will provide you with expert tips, tricks, and exercises to help solve your pain from the comfort of your own home. We also offer free discovery visits and phone consultations to Salt Lake area residents. Just call us at 385-429-2018 
or visit www.hallpt.com to schedule a consultation with us. Thanks again for joining us and we'll see you next time on the Stay Healthy Salt Lake Podcast. This has been a Humble Pod production. Stay humble.